Hey everyone. Um, let me say, I guess, just firstly, just what a joy it is to be here at the Globe. It really, really is. Um, I feel like I know so much about the Globe. I've been here once, only once before for a service, but it's really good to be here uh, preaching uh, for you guys. Uh, it was great to have John T. So thanks for borrowing him to us as well. Um, but today we're going to be in Matthew 9. Um, Matthew 9 from verse 35 through to verse 38. Uh, Let me read it and then I'll say a short uh, word of prayer. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let me pray. Gracious God, Lord, we thank you for the words here in Matthew 9. And Lord, our prayer is that you would be with us, you would open your word to us. We pray, Lord, that we would not resist you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Matthew 9, uh, 35 through to 38. It's a... really, really short passage, right? It's quite a small passage. There's only four verses in it. But it actually comes at a really important point in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, In in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sends out his disciples to go on their mission. Matthew 10 is a fairly long chapter, and it's all about the mission of the disciples, how the disciples are to go out and, and share this this mission that Jesus has given them. There's this great mission, there's great success. It's really important. It's really a critical point in the entire gospel. But before we get to that mission, we have these verses. Um, Now, that's important because Matthew 10 isn't just the mission of the disciples. It's really, in one sense, the mission of the church. Jesus is sending out the disciples, and it's a picture of what Jesus is telling us to do. But before he tells them to go, he frames it with these verses. There's something about what these verses tell us that Jesus thought it was important for the disciples to know. And therefore important for us to know. Um, If they don't pay attention to what Jesus says in these verses, they'll get the mission wrong. So so Jesus is about to send them off. It's all very exciting. He's going to send them all through Israel. They're going to do all kinds of amazing things. But before they do that, their understanding of mission needs to be framed by these verses here. And in short, what we're going to see is that Jesus wants to frame the mission of the church, to to frame the mission of the disciples. He wants them to see that it's rooted in the ministry of Jesus, the the compassion of Jesus, and the kingship of Jesus, or or the lordship of Jesus. 
So he's going to send them out on this amazing mission, this important mission, this critical mission, but he's going to root it in his own ministry. He's going to root it in his own compassion, and he's going to root it in his own kingship, his, his lordship. And so firstly, the, the mission of the church is rooted in the, the, the ministry of Jesus. Look with me at verse uh, 35 again. Because Matthew gives us a summary of what Jesus' ministry looks like. Matthew says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and illness. This passage begins with a summary of Jesus' own ministry. And that's a significant starting point. The foundation for the mission of the church is actually the mission of Jesus Christ himself. The, the church is the body of Christ. Right? We share in what Jesus is doing. In a few verses, Jesus is going to talk about laborers. But when Jesus talks about laborers going out, he's not asking people to do something that he isn't already doing. You know, maybe at work, you know, your, your, boss, is, your boss calls you in, and they're telling you to, you know, do this kind of project or something like that. And they're giving you all these kind of random commands. But you know that they've, they have no experience whatsoever in what they're telling you to do. Right? So your boss is telling you, this is what you need to do. That's what you need to do. But in reality, they, they don't know what they're talking about. They've never done it. They've never been involved in it. But when it comes to the mission of the church, when Jesus calls us to join in his work, it's, it's his work. He's been doing this work. The, the mission of the church is rooted in Jesus' own ministry. And, and what Matthew says, verse 35 tells us, is what this ministry looks like. It looks like Jesus teaching, or Jesus teaching his, his preaching ministry and a kind of healing ministry. Jesus goes around and he preaches. As he goes through the Gospels, what you see again and again is that at the heart of Jesus' ministry is preaching. And what he's preaching is the good news of God's kingdom. What he's preaching is, is this amazing news that because he is now there, the time has come where God himself will reign as king. The, the promised time that the entire Old Testament is kind of pointing to has come. Jesus is king. The, the kingdom of God is here. And that's what Jesus is preaching. And he's, he's offering this invitation for all those who would want to be part of that kingdom. At the heart of Jesus' ministry is this preaching ministry. And it's true also to say of the church, right? At the heart of our mission is telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus' ministry looks like preaching. But it also looks like healing. If, if, you, if you go through the Gospels, you see that Jesus is always preaching, but one thing that marks Jesus' ministry is that he's also healing people. And in the Gospels, there's several reasons why Jesus heals people. One significant reason why Jesus heals people is to show that he really is this promised king. 
he, he heals people as kind of evidence to show that really he is the one he claims to be. The kingdom of God is really coming. Earlier in the same chapter, in Matthew 9, Jesus heals a paralytic person, someone who was kind of completely crippled, and he does that to show that he is the one who can forgive sins. Jesus heals, and part of the reason why Jesus heals is to show that he is this promised king. But Jesus also heals as a picture of this kingdom that he is talking about. His healing ministry is a picture, it's a kind of snapshot of his healing ministry. Because ever since, the Bible tells us that ever since Adam and Eve, sin came into the world. Ever since they rebelled against God, people have been living in sin. But not just with sin, the the consequences of sin. And the consequences of sin are sickness and death and disease. All these things came into the world. The Bible says that when we see illnesses and when we see death, that's not part of God's original intention. And so when Jesus comes and he comes and he's talking about this new kingdom, he's really promising a restoration to the the kingdom, to original creation. And so when Jesus heals, he's painting a picture of a world in which there won't be any sickness. There won't be any disease. Jesus is talking about this this kingdom to come, but he's not just talking about it, he's showing what that looks like. That's why Jesus is going around and healing people. He's given us a a vision of what the new heavens and the new earth will look like. A, A world without sickness, a world without death. Jesus heals to show that he is king, but he also heals to show us a picture of what his kingdom looks like. But another reason why Jesus heals, and again you see this through Jesus' ministry, is because Jesus had compassion. Again and again, before Jesus heals someone, we see that the Bible says something about Jesus' compassion for those who are suffering. So, so Jesus heals to show that he is king. He heals to give a picture of this new heavens and new earth. But one of the reasons Jesus heals is that when he sees people suffering, his heart breaks for their suffering. Right? Jesus has great compassion for those who are suffering. Jesus' ministry is marked by preaching and healing. And one of the reasons why he heals is because he is moved by compassion. And that's really what we see in verse 36. If you look at that verse with me. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus' ministry is marked by compassion. Remember, Jesus is about to send the disciples on this great, this great mission. And he first grounds it in his own ministry, but he's also grounding it in his own compassion. And you see the compassion of Jesus really in the first half of that verse when, when Matthew says, when he saw the crowds. Jesus saw the crowds. Uh, my wife works uh, in the NHS. She's done that for uh, a long time. And Sometimes one of the things we, we talk about is, you know, she's seen so many clients and 
you know, I can imagine people that worked in the NHS for years and years and years and years. You, you see so many people that are sick. And the danger is that over time, you stop seeing them. You know, this person has this issue, this person has this issue. But you don't even really notice it. You, you kind of work on autopilot. It's possible to, to work. It's possible even to be helping people without seeing them. Right? It's, it's possible to even be involved in, in helping people out without really noticing them. But Jesus' ministry is marked by seeing people. Jesus saw the crowds. He saw them. He, he wasn't just moving idly by. He, he saw them. In, in the book of Exodus, uh, in Exodus chapter 2, uh, the, the people of Israel had been in slavery for hundreds of years. And right at the end of Exodus chapter 2, there's a description of how just evil and, and wicked and sad the situation of the Israelites was. And then there's this amazing verse right at the end of Exodus 2, and it says, God saw and he knew. Right? There's this description of suffering, and what the text says is that God saw that. He, he saw that. He noticed that. Jesus' ministry is marked by compassion. He, he saw their struggles. He, he saw their pain. And he almost felt their pain. Uh, the, the language for compassion in the Bible is really describes a kind of bodily almost reaction. Jesus feels the pain that people have. And the pain that he describes the pain as them being harassed and helpless. Right? So, so firstly, they're going through really just a difficult time. Right? They're suffering. They're harassed. But they're not just harassed. They are helpless. The word for helpless is really elsewhere in the New Testament. It quite literally just means they're kind of thrown down. They're, they're on the ground. So, so not only are they suffering, they are helpless. They, they cannot help themselves. When Jesus looks out, he doesn't just see random faces. He sees people and he sees suffering. And, and the suffering is summarized by the second half of that verse. Jesus says they were like sheep without a shepherd. And the, the image of sheep here is, is helpful. Right? Now, I don't know a lot about sheep. i born and raised in London. haven't spent a lot of time out there in the countryside. Um, but what they say is, anyways, is that sheep uh, they're helpless, right? Apart from a shepherd. They, they are completely vulnerable without a shepherd. The, the image that Jesus chooses of sheep without a shepherd is meant to give us sympathy. Because without a shepherd, they, they don't have protection. Without a shepherd, they, they don't have food. Jesus looks on people and he says they are like sheep without, without a shepherd. And, and that image has been used throughout the history of Israel. Right? Noticeably in Ezekiel 34, Jesus talks about how his pe- um, God talks about how his people Israel 
They're like sheep without shepherds. The leaders of Israel who were meant to care for Israel, who were meant to teach Israel God's word, who were meant to have compassion on Israel, they didn't care for Israel. They didn't teach Israel God's word. They held on to the positions, but they never did what God had called them to do. The people were in one sense leaderless. They weren't being taught God's word by people that loved them. And because they weren't being taught God's word, because they didn't have this great message of the kingdom, they were helpless. All right? they, the only hope they had was to hear the, the good news of the gospel, but they weren't being given that. So it's not just that they were suffering, it's not just that they are harassed, they are also helpless. And Jesus sees that. And you know, what Jesus saw in Palestine over 2,000 years ago, I think it's still what Jesus sees when he looks at a city like London today. When Jesus looks at London, he sees people who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, we saw it just in the video just now. There are over 9 million people in London the vast majority of whom do not know Jesus, are not hearing God's word, cannot truly help themselves. The hope of salvation is bound up in the gospel. The gospel is a powerful salvation. But there are so many people here in this city that haven't even heard the gospel. They're cut off from the hope of eternal life with God. And when Jesus sees this city... He sees people who are harassed and helpless. Jesus does not look upon London with indifference. He doesn't just look at London and think, oh, interesting. Jesus doesn't look at London with a kind of shrugged shoulder. Jesus is angry at sin and and angry at our sin, but Jesus doesn't even just look at London with anger, Jesus looks on this city, just as he looks on Israel, with compassion. His heart breaks for the helplessness of this city. The the foundation of the church's mission is rooted in the ministry and the compassion of Jesus. And so Jesus, as he's going about his ministry, he he sees people, he sees that they're helpless, he he sees that they're like sheep without a shepherd. But then all of a sudden, the metaphor changes. Look at me at verse uh, 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Right, right, this is where we, we just got our head around the whole sheep shepherd thing. We, we, we're getting the hang of that. And all of a sudden, Jesus changes to a kind of farming analogy. Why doesn't Jesus just say, there's loads of sheep without a shepherd, and there's not very many shepherds? Right, that, that would just be a lot easier, right? We've got our head around the whole sheep shepherd thing. Let's just run with that. But but Jesus changes the imagery to a kind of farming imagery to talk about harvest. 
And I think there's, there's probably a few reasons why Jesus does that. But I think one of the reasons he does that is that harvest isn't just kind of any kind of farming. It's not any crop. When, when you talk about harvest, you're not just talking about anything that's been planted. When you use the language of harvest, when you say there's a, there's a big harvest, you're talking about ready crop, right? Ready, right? Um, like, I guess, like crop that's ready to be reaped. There's, there's, a, there's a bit of a time delay between your sowing and harvest time. As soon as you sow, once you sow like a seed into the ground, it's not ready yet, right? But after a while, the harvest is ready. Jesus here, I think, is saying that not only are there an abundance of lost people, there's an abundance of lost people who are ready to hear the gospel. When Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, he sees that there are people who are just crying out that they're helpless and all they need is for someone to go and share the gospel with them. The harvest is plentiful. When Jesus later on in in Matthew 10, when he sends the disciples out, one of the things he says is, he, he sends them out expecting that as they go out into villages, there will be people of peace. In other words, there will be people who will be ready to, to receive the message. So, so not only are, is there an abundance of people who are lost, there is an abundance of people who are ready to hear the gospel. There are people who are ready to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. The problem is, there are not enough workers. The problem is not that, there's there's no problem in terms of the harvest. There is a harvest. It's plentiful. But the issue is, there are not enough workers. There are not enough workers. And when Jesus talks about workers, I think first and foremost, he is talking about people who would be willing to just share the gospel, to share the gospel in every kind of area of life in which they're involved in, right? To, to share the gospel in their families, at work, right? To share the gospels as they go, as they live their daily lives. Jesus says there's a shortage of workers. But Jesus probably also has in mind kind of like gospel workers, kind of vocational workers, people who are kind of set aside to basically to, to do that as their kind of job. There is there are not enough workers in that sense. So, so both in terms of people who would go out and to share this message, and also in terms of those who would be kind of set aside to do that, like as a kind of their nine to five kind of thing, Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. And you know, that's still true today. That, that's still true even here in London, that the harvest is plentiful. The, the harvest is plentiful. You know, often we think, if you're here today and you're a Christian, it's so easy to imagine that there's very few people out there who would be ready to hear the message of the gospel. There are very few people out there who are interested in hearing about Jesus Christ. Right? So we think, you know, 
Each time you share the gospel, it's going to be this really, you know, this hard slog of trying to battle someone or wrestle someone into, into coming to Christ. But the harvest is plentiful. There are people out here in this city who are ready to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. There are people who are helpless, who are harassed, and all they need is for someone to go out and share the gospel with them. The problem is not the lack of harvest. The problem is the lack of laborers. And Jesus says this in verse 37, he says this so that we, so that the disciples could share the compassion that he has for those who are helpless and harassed. When Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, it makes the situation even more tragic. There's people out there who are ready, who are willing, who who just need to hear the gospel, and yet there are not enough people going out to share the gospel with them. Jesus tells the disciples this so that their mission would be rooted in a genuine compassion for the lost. He wants them to feel how he feels about the lost. As we go about our daily lives here in London, do we feel the lostness of this city? Do we feel what Jesus felt? Do we see people, do do we see sheep without a shepherd? Do we see people who, apart from hearing the gospel, are entirely helpless? we just finished at Stockholm Baptist Church. We just finished a series in the book of Jonah. And I think, actually, here at Globe, you guys have recently been uh, in Jonah. And in Jonah chapter 4, there's this um, it's a really interesting dialogue, right, between Jonah and God. And there's a, there's a moment in which Jonah has this plant that the sun is burning, it's really, really hot, and there's this plant that comes and gives Jonah shade, and Jonah is loving life. And then all of a sudden, the plant's not there anymore, and Jonah is, he's frustrated, he's really angry. In fact, he's so angry, he prays that God should just kill him. And one of the things that God does with this plant is that he exposes Jonah's heart. Jonah is more concerned about this plant than he is about the potential destruction of the entire city of Nineveh. Jonah did not have the compassion that Jesus has. And I think if we are being honest with ourselves, far too often we are like Jonah. We're actually more concerned about the destruction of our comforts, then we are about the eternal destruction of millions of people who do not know Jesus Christ. If we're being honest, the fact that our internet has been down for the last week bugs us more than the fact that our neighbours, the, the people we maybe go to university with, the people we work with don't know Jesus Christ. The, the, the delay on the central line it has a bigger impact on our kind of minds than the fact that people made in the image of God are about to face eternity in hell. Far too often we are more concerned, more obsessed with, more affected by 
our comfort or, or our lack of comfort or our comforts being disturbed, then we are about the lostness of the city. But Jesus says what he says to the disciples. He says what he says to us so that we might feel how he feels about this city. He wants us to feel the lostness of this city. Jonah is a perfect example of the fact that you can go, you can even share the message and lack compassion. Jesus, again, he's about to send them on this great big mission, but he doesn't want them to just go on this mission mindlessly. He wants this mission to be rooted in the fact that they share his compassion for the lost. And so, and so Jesus has just kind of painted this picture of, of the great need, the, the, the helplessness, of people, how they're like sheep without a shepherd. And so what you expect now is that Jesus just says, go. Right? I want you to see the situation. I want you to see how dire the situation is. And what you expect for Jesus to say is, therefore, go. But that's not what Jesus says. Look at verse uh, 38 with me. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Why doesn't Jesus just say, go? Right? If, if there's a shortage of workers, if, if there are people out there who are ready to hear the message, surely Jesus should just say, just, just go, right? D- just do it. I've told you what the problem is. You're a worker, go, right? But, but Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus tells them to pray. And I think that the answer to that is found in the, the lordship of Jesus Christ, right? The, the, the kingship of Jesus Christ, the, the sovereignty of God. Jesus tells them instead to pray to the Lord of the harvest for him to send workers into his harvest field. Notice what Jesus is stressing. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest field. Before they rush off and go anywhere, Jesus wants them to know that this is ultimately God's work. That God is the one who is the Lord of the harvest and not us. That this is his work. That it's God ultimately who will bring people to himself. And that God works through laborers, right? This this city will become Christian through laborers, through people who go out and share the gospel. But ultimately... This is God's work. And I think Jesus stresses that for, to keep us from two dangers. One danger is the danger of pride. We all think we're superheroes. Right? There's a part of us that, that likes facing a challenge. And, you know, the, the more difficult the challenge is, the, the more pride we take in fixing it. So so Jesus has just painted how how bleak this picture is. And and the danger is, the disciples would rush off and go, we're going to fix this this problem. We're going to solve all of this. It's amazing to see people come to know Jesus Christ. It's the most amazing thing. But the danger is, is that as we do that, as we go out and share the message, we can be confused. We can begin to think that we are the lords of the harvest. That we are the people that change people's hearts. 
that we are, the, you know, we're just an incredible people. And of course, when people see us, of course they'll want to be Christians. Or, you know, we've got the gospel and, you know, all our apologetics are fantastic. And of course, when people hear our arguments, of course, they're going to come to know Jesus Christ. But Jesus reminds the disciples and he reminds us, God is the Lord of the harvest. He is the one who ultimately brings people to himself. He tells us this to keep us from pride. But I think, you know, he also tells the disciples this to keep them from being overburdened by the, by the, the state of the lost. Jesus has just painted such a bleak picture. These people are entirely helpless. And if we would see this city like Jesus sees the city, we would be overwhelmed by the lostness of the city. And if we weren't careful, we would feel the pressure of, of, of ensuring somehow that every person in the city knows Jesus Christ. But Jesus reminds them that God is the one who is the Lord of the harvest. He is the one who ultimately bears the responsibility. We're meant to go out, right? We're meant to go and share the message, but we do that in confidence that God is the one who will bring people to himself. All of our attempts to to reach this city that are not rooted in prayer will leave us either feeling so prideful or just completely overburdened. But Jesus wants us to go out in the knowledge that he is the Lord of the harvest. And what that means is if you're here today and you're trusting in Jesus Christ, then what Jesus wants you to do is to pray that God would send workers into the field. Jesus wants you to pray. And we do that firstly by sharing in his compassion for the lost. We share in how Jesus feels about the lost. And as we share in that feeling, we pray and as we pray, we, we, we ask God whether we might be the answer to that prayer. Right? Jesus asked the disciples to pray, and then in the very next verse, Jesus starts sending them out. Jesus asks us to pray, to pray that he would send workers into the field. What that means is, we are to take every opportunity, as we pray, we are to take every opportunity to share the gospel with those who do not know Jesus Christ. It means we are to be people that, as we pray, seek to be the answer to that prayer. But it also means we seek to support and to care for and to financially support people, gospel workers, who go out into God's vineyard, into God's, into this field with the good news of Jesus Christ. I didn't know uh, Phil, who was here, I didn't know Phil really well. We met a few times. Um, uh, Phil Tinker. But I, I knew that, again, he, he was such an integral part to, to what the Globe Church does. And I know that recently you, you sent him out. And, and this text, it, it doesn't mean that every single one of us will be like Phil. It doesn't mean every single one of us will go into kind of full-time gospel work or, or will go into missions. But what it means is that we will all share in Jesus' compassion for the lost. And we will all seek every opportunity to be an answer to that prayer. Jesus asks us to pray. And if you're here and you, you're, you're not trusting in Jesus Christ, 
you don't know what it is to say that, that Jesus is your shepherd, then this passage is a reminder to you of how deep Jesus' compassion is for you. In a city like London, we, we can be deceived. We can think that we can do it all. We can feel self-sufficient. We can feel like we've got the resources in ourselves to make it through life. But the reality is, is that apart from Jesus Christ, we are like sheep without a shepherd. We, we, we spent all our time growing up, university, you know, told we're going to go out into the world, we're going to save the world, we're going to fix the world. But in reality, apart from Jesus Christ, we have no hope. And the great thing about Jesus is that he looks upon you, not with indifference, but with compassion. And he, he has so much compassion that he left heaven to die for you. To die so that you could have eternal life. And so if you're here and you're, you're not yet trusting in Jesus... My hope is that you would see just how deep his compassion is for you and you would turn to him and you would put your faith in him and you would have the hope of eternal life with him. Let's pray. Gracious God, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your compassion. We thank you, Lord, because you are a God who sees us. You are a God who looks upon us with mercy. And Lord, our prayer is that we would share in your compassion for the lost. And Lord, I pray that you would teach us to pray, that you would send out laborers into your field. And you would give us the courage to be those who are sent into a dying world, into a world without hope with the glorious good news of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.